James chapter 4 again. Thank you for coming, bringing your Bibles, and I hope to be a blessing and a help to you this morning. As we're going through the month of uh, February, uh, last Sunday here, looking at our love for the Lord and His love for us and how we can better love. And that word is thrown around today and misused so often, and we want to look at the biblical definition and see what He's called us to do. Now, James chapter 4, we've read this before. But it's always a good reminder to look at. We're going to look at this morning some of the wars that go on in the life of an individual, especially a believer, and the opposite of the love that we're supposed to show forth and the love we're supposed to give. Reminded of the kindergarten class and the teacher came and she gave some questions and she said, now, can somebody give me a definition and a Bible verse, particularly, that has to do with marriage. Little kindergarten class, and little Johnny in the back rose his hand up, and he said, I know. She said, yeah, little Johnny. He, she says, yeah, I know a good verse. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Right? Okay. So sometimes it's not always peachy keen in our uh, love relationships, if you call it that, and where we should be. Now, look at James 4. He says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence? Even of your lusts that warn your members, ye lust and have not. Ye kill, desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask, and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves. Therefore to God resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Now, as we pause there for a moment, we look at this book written by James to a local, particularly local group of people, local congregation, and he starts out with that question, from whence come wars and fightings among you? And that's a good question for all of us. And the, 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 I guess you could say how to end wars would be a good way to put it. I was going to say something else, but I'll put that. How to end wars in our lives. Well, we know the answer to that is truly the love. The love of Christ, the love that we're supposed to exemplify. Now, in our text this morning, I want to point out, first of all, that there's three wars or types of wars mentioned in this text. Now, one is war with each other, one is war with yourself, and one is war ultimately with God Himself. That's where we see the world today. The war, the ultimate uh, opposite of the love we should show. Now, let's look at these here as we kind of file our way through our text here this morning. First of all, the war with each other. I said, whence come these wars? You ever ask yourself that? <laughs> Where do these wars come from? Uh, you've been married any length of time. You kind of, at times, what is with the constant war? What is with the constant bicker? 
What's the, what's the constant infighting? I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know what to do about it. Whence comes these wars? Now, there's a war with each other. Psalm 133, verse 1. Listen to this verse. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Oh, it's a sweet thing. Again, just a reminder that a mark of the Holy Spirit, an evident token of the Holy Spirit within a church is something called unity. Now, Paul talked about that. He says, endeavor to keep the unity in the bond of peace. There's a unification in a church. That doesn't mean we're sinless. We're always going to make faults. We're going to have some bickering at times and some disagreements usually. But what it is, ultimately, there's a unity. Now, that's a unity. You put, anytime you put two people together, there's either going to be unity or division. And it starts out sometimes with unity and eventually degrades down to some type of division. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you find that there is something of unity. That's what the psalm speaks of. Now, this is God's desire. You know that. And He provides the wisdom for us to obtain this unity. So the New Testament church is one that should exemplify unity. Now, we know the New Testament churches in the Bible, they had problems, didn't they? They had problems, boy. And the one thing I love about the Bible, not only the authenticity and the inspiration and the authority of this book, but you know what I like? And it talks directly to the man, and it brings it down to my level. And it doesn't say, you know, this man was perfect, he did all these things, and he's so eloquent. No, what's it say about David? He made mistakes. And the Bible doesn't hide the sin and mistakes of man in this book. Paul, oh, phenomenal Christian, phenomenal missionary, phenomenal, eloquent preacher. Does it hide his sin? No, <laughs> In fact, it goes all the way back and, what, digs up a lot of dirty laundry for Paul. Paul said, wait, 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 wait. can we just start where I got converted and go forward? <laughs> What's it do? He was breathing out threatenings against the church. It says he hailed or literally rounded up men and women and took them to their death. That's what the Bible talks about. And it never hides the sin. It never shies away from that. But it speaks the truth. And one of the things we look at is that the New Testament church had a lot of problems. Think about Corinth, the church, First and Second Corinthians. Have you read those two books lately? Woo! Those are tough to get through. Some, some of it's confusing. Some of it I don't understand. But boy, you think about a church that had problems. The church at Corinth was in competition over the gifts and over... The battles in one particular area was money. Another area was that of sin. In fact, you remember in the church, they came and said, Hey, Paul, we're of Paul and we're of Apollos. <laughs> we're of Peter here and Cephas and we're of this. There's a division in the church. And Paul came and preached to him and said, What does that matter? Well, who is Peter? Who is Apollos? Who? We're nobodies. We're just servants of the Lord. And he says, don't look at me, look at the Lord, follow him. But I'm just talking about today. There's wars with each other. There's wars all around us. The Galatians, that region up there of Galatia, which was a group of churches that Paul wrote to, they were biting and devouring one another. That's how Paul put it. Biting and devouring. Whew. That's tough. Tough way to put it. At Philippi, there were two individuals, two women, that didn't get along. He talks about that. He says, make sure that they start getting along. Make sure you work at that. 
He writes specifically to them. And we see that. Romans 12 and verse 18, it says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I'm glad he wrote that. (laughs) He says, if it's possible. I'm glad he didn't say, live peaceably with all men. No, he says, if it's possible. Thank God he said that. Because there are some people you cannot live peaceably with. Amen? Okay. There are some individuals, you've been driving, you drive in our town, or in, especially over there, uh, you realize that very quickly, that you can't live peaceably with everybody. But he says, as much as lieth in you, as much as you can work at that, do your best. If need be, tight-lipped. <laughs> if need be, don't say it. Don't say it. And you think through that. I'm preaching to myself, boy. But the war with each other, there's wars all around us today, infighting. There's physical wars going on right now, right? There's physical, there's all kinds of things in our inner cities today. There's turmoil and unrest and whatever side you're on that. We know maybe primarily the cause of those things. But there is fighting all around us. And my friends, I say today and submit to you that we as children of God and Christians today ought to be leading the way in unity. We don't need to be in the back of the pack. Disunity, division, infighting, bickering. No, we need to be leading the way in the unity. Now, second part, not only war with the ones around us, but there's war within ourselves. War within ourselves. Now, look back at verse 1 again. Whence come wars, fightings among you? Come they not hence? He's saying here they come. This is where they come from. Even of your lusts that war in your members. The lusts that war in your members. Now, members, that word literally means, in particular, yourself. Okay, that's what he means. There's a lust within you. There is that fighting within yourself. This is what's helping to cause the wars with those around us. Now, we know. Now, in chapter 3 of James, verse 14, he says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts... Glory not, and lie not against the truth. He says in verse 16 then, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Did you catch that? There's war within ourselves. And when there's war within ourselves, there's confusion. Now, I have three things here that I thought about. The confusion today. People are confused. They're confused about their reality. They're confused about their identity, and they're confused about their sexuality. Is that not our world today? They're confused. Where does that confusion come from? It comes from right here within, doesn't it? Right here within. These New Testament churches had problems. Others had problems. And let me say then there's also the war with God. It leads to a war. Verse 4. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? There's the war with God. The root cause of every war, internal, external, rebellion against God. Sin entered into the world, disharmony, conflict, lawlessness. There's four elements that lead to the war. Notice the lust. The lust of the flesh, the lust and the desires of our hearts, selfish ambition causes sin, friendship with the world, all of these things that we must look at. The pride, the pride of life. The pride is an abomination. Pride is a cause of shame and downfall. Pride is a cause of contention. And the devil comes and he tries to defeat us, doesn't he? The defeat and discouragement to deceive us. 
the remedy is very simple and straightforward. We submit to God, draw close to Him, and humble ourselves. Um, I'm going to keep this short this morning because I don't feel very good. My throat is hurting. <laughs> I apologize, but I'm going to keep it rather short uh, this morning. I just, my, my head and my throat. You guys feeling that too? Ugh. I apologize, but I'll keep it rather short. But the remedy is very simple. <coughs> we submit to Him. You bring yourself to His submission. You draw close to Him. You know that. You know these things. The closeness brings our, an awareness of where we are, our sin, our confession to sin. Helps us to overcome the things that we battle with. The armor of God, Ephesians 6 talks about that. Put on the whole armor of God, right? You humble yourselves before Him, then you can accept yourself. That's one thing that we struggle with in this world, accepting ourselves, doesn't it? Just accepting who we are. What the psalmist says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I love that. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And more people would understand that. More of our children, our teenagers would understand. They don't have to be something they're not. They don't have to be perfect, do they? They can be what God's called them to be. <coughs> Excuse me. So we see the plan. Now, these wars, the war within ourselves, the war with others, it comes directly back from what he's talking about in the lusts of the flesh. Ye desire to have. Notice verse 2. Uh, I'll bring it home here. You, you desire to have. You can't obtain. You fight in war. This is the opposite of the love that God talks about. Right? That love that we're supposed to have. Okay, now I know I'm speaking to you folks that know these things. But we must come back to this. Well, let's look at a few examples, then I'll close it out here. Okay, there's an example in the Old Testament of a man by the name of Achan. You remember him? He took of the accursed thing he wasn't supposed to. Now, 1 Chronicles 2, verse 7, he's described as the troubler of Israel. How'd you like that name? <laughs> How'd you like that Description of who you are. He's a troubler of Israel. What is it? Well, one man's action affected an entire nation. One man's actions, one woman's actions, one word can affect a lot of people, can it? Now, this is what we come back to. Ye lust, ye want, ye fight. Now, notice verse 3. Ye ask and receive not. Why? Ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Sometimes if you're like me, I'll pray and ask the Lord for something, but I don't even acknowledge it or understand it. But it could be that I'm asking something for myself. I'm asking something. Now, we ought to ask the Lord for our desires and for our needs. You know that. But am I asking it according to His will? Lord, I want to do it your way. Show me what to do. Lord, I want to do it what you have for me. I desire that. Ye ask amiss. Your prayers are amiss. They're not hitting the mark. That word amiss literally means to miss the mark. You miss the bullseye. You miss the mark. And we wonder why our prayers are not answered. I wonder why they're not. I'm asking amiss. So the wars, the war all around us that's raging and fighting today. Lust causes all kinds of sin, including a refusal to pray or the wrong kind of praying and knowing that. And then he gets into the friendship of the world. I won't cover a lot of that because we talked about that last week. But the friendship of the world. The ye adulterers, verse 4, and adulteresses, know ye not friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now notice what he's saying. He's not saying you guys are messing around sexually with someone else. What's he saying? You're messing around with the world. 
You and I are part of the church, and the church is supposed to be a chaste virgin presented to Jesus Christ. See, we're the bride. He's the groom. And he says, you're adulterers, you're adulteresses, you're messing around with the world. Right? I'll be kind at what I say with that. You're playing around with the world. Now, again, as we, I won't belabor this point because we talked about it last week. But it brings enmity with God. That word enmity is used several times in the New Testament. Ephesians 2 talks about that. Ye were dead in trespasses and sins. You were enmity with God. There was a gap there <clears throat> between you. And what bridged the gap was the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think, verse 5, the scripture saith, In vain the Spirit dwelleth in us, lusteth to envy? He says you must understand the Bible speaks for a reason. And let me say again, when the Bible says something, take heed to it. If you don't understand it or it's confusing, don't close it. Don't close, turn the page. Well, I didn't get that. Oh, well. No, study it out. Take time to study. Get out your concordance. Get out whatever you need and start studying the Bible. And figure it out for yourself. And find it. That's what he told Timothy to study to show thyself approved. Okay. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Do you think it says, now giveth more grace, verse 6. That grace is what we need. Oh, we need the grace of God. We can humbly draw closer to God. Now, let me give you the remedy here for us coming back to this. One, he says, submit to God. Verse 7. Submit to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Point one. This is acceptance of God's authority over our lives. This means God's direct authority and His delegated authority. Now, His direct authority. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you where to go. And we submit to him, and it enables us to resist the devil, then he flees. Submission is one. Second is resistance. And thirdly, he will flee from you. You ever thought about that? That's amazing. He'll flee from you. The devil will leave you alone. Now, he'll keep coming back, but he'll leave you alone. If you snuggle up, and pardon the terminology, but you get real close to the Lord... He's not going to bother you. He'll come and attack you and try and put things in your head and thoughts and imagery and all the things. But you get right close to the Lord, submitting yourself to Him. The Bible says He'll leave you alone. He'll flee from you. Here's the remedy for us. How do we show the love of God? How do we accept the love of God? What do we do? Submission. Submission. Uh, Ephesians 4 and 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. There's a literal, uh, literal statement to this. I really like it. Neither give place to the devil. That means do not prepare a place at the table for the devil. <laughs> you set out the table and, and you set one out there for the devil. Oh, I'm just putting a plate and a cup out in case he shows up. No! Man, you take that away. You don't even give him room at the table. You don't give him any leeway. You don't, you don't watch those movies. You know not to. <laughs> you don't dabble with that stuff. You don't listen to that music. You don't play around with that stuff on social media. You don't do those things, do you? Why? You're giving a place for him. And our devil has about a 13, size 13 foot that he just sticks right in the door, doesn't he? And once he gets his foot in the door, then he can swing that thing wide open eventually. That's what he's doing. Neither give place. Draw close to God. Draw close to God. First is submission, and then you draw close. Verse 8, draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. 
There's a beautiful thing about our relationship with the Lord, and that is when you take an initial step towards Christ, it's not peachy keen. It's not a walk in the park. It gets real difficult when you become a Christian, doesn't it? But when you draw nigh to God, there's a unique thing about our Lord and Savior. He doesn't sit back and go, well, let's see if he'll take another step. He's doing pretty good. Let's see if he'll take another. No, what's it say? You take one step of faith towards God, he says he immediately draws nigh to you. Isn't that wonderful? The story of the prodigal son comes to mind. When he was afar off, the father says, well, let's see if he gets inside the gate. And then when he gets inside the gate, let's see if he comes in the front door. No, what's he do? He saw him afar off, and it says the father ran to him. I mean, he plowed through the front door, plowed through the front gate, ran out over the pasture, and grabbed his son and hugged him. That's the picture we have here. <clears throat> we draw nigh to God. Some of you just recently started taking steps of faith by way of coming to church faithfully, by way of getting some things straightened out in your marriage, by way of getting some things straightened out in your personal walk. You don't wake up first thing now in the morning like you used to. You wake up first thing in the morning, you open the Bible up. You spend time with the Lord in prayer. Those are little steps of faith. And when you do that, listen, He'll draw nigh to you. He'll draw nigh to you. And then we see the cleansing, and I will wrap it up. I keep saying that. And cleanse your hands. My throat all of a sudden feels better. <clears throat> Amen. <laughs> Man, it's killing me. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Notice that. We're cleansing our hands. That's our actions. We're going through a lot of this in our Bible Institute, and boy, oh, it's, it's been so convicting to me. Cleanse your hands. That's your actions. You sinners, purify your hearts. Oh, you know who that, that's who we are. That's our intentions. You double-minded. Never once in the Bible does God ask us to be double-minded. He never asks us to be neutral. That word doesn't exist. Neutral. Just be neutral. As long as I don't bring it up at work, and as long as I don't tell these guys I'm a Christian, as long as I... No, you're not neutral. You're not neutral. There's no straddling the fence anymore. You're either for him or against him. That's what Jesus said. You're for me or against me. You draw close to him. You draw close to him. And you cleanse. Notice it's on your part. God will help you. He will forgive you of your sins. But you've got to do something about it. You've got to put forth an action. You've got to put forth an effort in cleansing your hands. We tell our kids often, clean your hands. Clean your hands before we eat, whatever. Trying to get them to a habit of that. I'm not good at that either, but cleanse, make sure you're cleaned up. Make sure you get clean. And keeping yourselves clean. And David says in that great psalm, Oh, cleanse me, God, cleanse me. I've done my part of cleaning, but Lord, there's a cleaning that's deep within that only you can clean. And that's what he'll do. Amen? That's what he'll do. My friends, you're on the winning side today. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the winning side, don't you? If you choose to be a part of this world, this world is shallow, it's weak, it's frail, it's nasty, it's perverted, it's self-centered, and ultimately, let me say this, it will be destroyed. And I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of His kingdom. I want to be a part of His team. Okay? You're putting on the armor of God. Okay? Put on the armor, Ephesians 6. Let's, let's go to Ephesians 6 and we'll close out there. Ephesians chapter 6 Again, a familiar portion of Scripture, I'm sure you know, about the armor. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we're talking about the love of God this morning, and the love that we have for Him. And we'll look at this evening, 
as we have been, looking at how do I love God properly in return. But this morning, looking at our love for Him, His love for us. What we do to obtain that in particular, how do we show that? There are enemies of that. Now notice verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Not pieces, not half, not some, but the whole, right? Whole armor. That ye may be able. We need an ability to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness, notice this, in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to, to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And then he goes on and lists all of the armor. I'm sure you know that. But he says, put on the armor. Make sure you know what to do. <coughs> Make sure you're where you're supposed to be. Putting that on. Why? We may be able to withstand. Too many Christians today, myself included, get defeated too often. What is it? It's a wiles. It's called the darts of the devil, he, he goes on to say. And he says they're fiery darts. Not only is it a pokey dart, he lights the stinking thing on fire. How'd you like to have that? It's terrible. That's what he does. He's a deceiver. He is a dishonest person. He is sick-minded. He wants to cause the child of God to be defeated and discouraged. You now, he can't have your salvation. He can't take that. Okay, We know that. But what he can do is he can trip you up and give your life a miserable time. You're defeated. You're discouraged all the time. There's no joy in your heart. There's no uh, 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 encouragement in your tongue. No. He wants that. Why? He knows the world is watching. The world is watching. Now we're showing the love of God. Okay? You put on the armor. You do what you do. That again, action-oriented. You've got to put forth some effort. And if God wanted to create us like a robot, He could have, and just coddle us all the time and make sure, okay, everything's okay. No, what's He say? Get, get, get ready. Put on the armor. Do what you need to do. Get ready because of the adversary and because of the battle. Now, let me say this at the end. One day, no more war. One day, no more wars, fighting, argument, tears, pain. Amen? Praise God for that day. That gives us hope. And you keep on pressing on the upward way. Let me encourage you with that. You don't quit. You do not quit on God. God did not quit on you. Remember that. You keep going. You're discouraged? Okay. But let's find out what to do. What do we need to do? You need to get along with the Lord? You need to come talk to me? Please do. I'll try my dead level best to help you. But I want to help you. You're feeling defeated today. You say, I don't know, Brother Tim, if I'm even saved. Okay, let me share with you how to be saved. Greatest day of my life would be, and for your life especially, but a good day for me, I should say, would be that I could share the gospel with you, okay? What's going on in your life right now? Because we need to know and we need to show the love of God. People today are not looking at us as Christians and saying, boy, look at all that they have. What are they saying? What's different about them? Because if it's something the same as me, I don't want it. Why would I waste my time at that church? What's different? They're watching us. What's different? And the key thing, Jesus said this, what? By this shall all men know that ye are mine, my disciples. You're part of my team, my brotherhood, 
my family. If you have what? Infighting, arguing, and no, what's this thing? Love one toward another. There's something different about those people. They're not pompous, stuck up, weird, opinionated all the time. <laughs> There's different. And the key thing is that we show the love of God. Easy to say, hard to do. I know that. But we can do it. We can do it. And again, let me close out here with this theme for our month, our month of love. My friends, I want to encourage you to do that. Keep focused on Christ so that you can be an instrument and a tool through which He can use, a conduit through which He can flow and speak. And say, here, I can use Tim. He ain't much, but I can use him. I can direct him. Here, I can use these folks at this little church over here. I can use them. I can direct them. Why? Because they're submitted to me. They've resisted the devil, <laughs> submitted themselves to God, and the devil flees. They put on the armor of God. They've done everything they're supposed to do. They're not associated or shacked up with the world. They're not committing adultery with the world. They are separating themselves to God. Isn't that a wonderful picture given to us? We're separated for the Lord's use. My friends, some of us will do all that we can to gain a little bit of extra money this week. If our boss or employer asks us to do something, a little, we'll do it. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it so I don't lose my job. How much more if the Lord asks you to do something? Just to, I'll do it. You don't want to, sure. If you're waiting to feel good about doing what God's asked you to do, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> I do not feel like reading my Bible. I know, that sounds bad. I don't feel like praying. Have you prayed for more than 10 minutes alone without falling asleep? <laughs> that is tough. That is tough. I don't feel like coming to church. Okay, quite frankly, I'll just be frank. Church is boring. Okay, don't say amen. <laughs> Whose fault is that? That's Brother Tim's fault. <laughs> That's my fault. It's not always fun and exciting. And people that go to church just because it's exciting and it feels good, yeah, that burns out quick, doesn't it? They go, well, it's not as exciting as it was last year. You come to church, why? Because you know it's what God's commanded you to do. And it's a maturity. That's what we're looking for. God says you want to show forth the love of Christ? Okay, you better take care of yourself first. You better take care of where you are. How do we end the wars? Oh, where does it come from, he says? Where does all this... Hate and lust and envy and pride come from. Oh, he says it comes from right there in your chest. Right in your heart. Starts right there with Brother Tim. We see here today the wars. Are you being a one that is a unifier or a divider? Are we a church that brings love and hope and encouragement to the lives around us? Or one that's just the so on, so on, same old, same old, just another church, just another congregation, just the same thing. No, we're different. We're striving for that, and I hope you are. I'll stop there this morning. I want to encourage you with that. Friends, don't ever forget God loves you unconditionally. Yeah, but you don't know what I did this. Brother Tim, I just haven't been doing what I should be doing. You don't know what I used to do. Don't matter. He loves you unconditionally. And the ground is leveled at the cross. You don't come to God with all your accolades and you've got to clean yourself up. No. We come to God, what? Here I am. And Paul says that's all he wants. And you come and know that God loves you, and if he loves you unconditionally, you know you can serve him the way you should. Right? 
Because it's not, oh, well, I know God wants to use me, but I also know that he doesn't like this about me. No. Now, if it's sin, yes. But if it's a personality thing or it's a way you were created or a physical thing of your, how you were made, no. God wants to use you. And he wants to use the talents that he's put in your life and in your heart and in your mind for his glory. Praise God. And every one of you in here, I look around, you've used God's talent that he's given you and the abilities he's given to you to serve our church. That's what we need, isn't it? So we need. And pray for us. We're praying and hoping in the coming months to reach out into our community and get more people and reach more people. And I pray that you'll be on board with us with that. Anyways, thank you for being here this morning. I want to encourage you this week. Again, uh, once you get healthy and feel better, <laughs> but, uh, make sure you're in your Bibles this week. Um, make sure you're in your prayer closet. I know you will be. And uh, if you need anything, again, I'm here. Please let me know that. If you say, well, Tim, I'd just like to talk with you. I'd love to talk. If you need some prayer, I'd love to pray. But really, let's keep going. Can we? Let's keep going. Let's not put her in neutral and coast now. Now's the time. Let's go. Let's get going. Shift gears. Keep on going. Amen? I know we can. All right. I love you all. Thank you all for your faithfulness and for your dedication to the Lord. Lord, we do thank you for this morning. And uh, I praise you. Thank you for helping me uh, get through this this morning. I really apologize. I, my uh, throat... Uh, is not feeling well, but uh, thank you for those here that are, uh, are here. Some, many here today are not feeling good, and they still came. Thank you for them and uh, their dedication and faithfulness. As we look at this, Lord, what a challenge to myself especially to think about. Lord, there are a multitude of wars raging around us, both within our hearts and outside. And we ask that you'd strengthen us. You'd empower us. There's no way we can love the unlovable. There's no way we can show forth the love of Christ to people that may hate us and despise us. It has to be the Holy Spirit within us. We pray for that strength to do that. Give us your wisdom. This week we go our separate ways and we do our thing. Protect us. Fill us with your spirit. Guide us, please, as only you can in Jesus' name. Amen.